0: Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guests. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Donna Arcara. Donna is from Birmingham, Alabama. And she provides support for her family's real estate company that is located in Helena, Alabama. Welcome, Donna. Oh, hey, Jen. I cannot
1: tell you how honored I am to be speaking with the person who has essentially given me my life back.
0: Oh, well, that's a big statement. So I can
1: back it up.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so very much. Well, I'm really glad to be speaking with you today as well. And, um, you know, I like to start by asking what actually brought you to intermittent fasting? How'd you hear about it? When did you start? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, sure.
1: Um, And, Jen, I'm going to be honest here. I'm one of the few people who may have done this backwards. I came for the health benefits and stayed for the weight loss. Well, and the health benefits.
0: (laughs) I love it. You're right. Most people. Tend to start because they want to see the weight loss. You know, that's what I started with. I wanted to see the weight loss. We come for the weight loss and stick around for the health benefits. Yeah, I have to do
1: things backwards. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that you came for the health benefits and you stick around for the weight loss. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, I've been overweight my entire life. I mean, going back to childhood, I've never had a phase of life where I couldn't have stood to, you know, lose a few pounds. And then as I got older, you know, I started creeping into, I'm 57, and, you know, I guess maybe through late 40s and early 50s, I started creeping into really being obese, and I've been living that way for a while. So, I mean, I guess I'd have to say, despite the fact that I desperately did need to lose a significant amount of weight, it's not what brought me to intermittent fasting, And I think that goes back to, I guess I'd have to describe kind of what my mindset was. I mean, having been overweight my whole life, I have been on a gazillion diets. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about how they've gotten the goal, maintained a little while, and then reversed and gone back the other direction and I've heard you talk about that kind of thing a lot, you know, through the years. But I really never, ever was able to achieve any kind of success. As soon as things didn't go perfectly, I would sabotage myself, bail out, and then just, you know, move on and gain that weight back plus more. So I had a pretty bad track record with success on diets. I mean, I had little bit of success here and there, but I mean,
0: it was pretty miserable. So yes, I understand that. And it takes a lot to stick with the diet long-term when it feels so miserable. You know, diets just feel miserable. And I did manage to white knuckle my way to goal a few times, but it was always doing things that were not very healthy for my body, which is why I would then rebound and gain the weight. But I had a lot of diets that looked just like you're describing, where I would do it for a little while and then quit because it was hard.
1: All of mine ended up that way. And, you know, for a lot of years, I was just a little bit overweight. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it was just a vanity thing, but the older I've gotten, the more it's become more of just a really true health danger of, you know, just allowing that to continue. But the mindset that I was in by last summer, summer of 2018, was, I mean, I was just kind of wallowing around on rock bottom. I mean, I, honestly, Jen, I had thrown in a towel on the whole weight loss thing.
0: I just had given up. I think that also is something that I did in, um, Oh wow! gosh, when was it? 2014. 2014 is when I finally got serious. But a few months before I got serious, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, I had given up and said, you know what? I'm just going to be big. And I had all these clothes that I had saved from when I felt really good about my size. Now, it was during the diet pill years. It was not a healthy thing to do. But I felt good about my size. And I had saved all those beautiful clothes that couldn't fit me. And then a few months before, I finally really did it. I was like, I give up. I quit. I'm never going to be thin again. These clothes are just mocking me. I got rid of all of them except for a very few that were special and sentimental. So, And then I kicked myself because, (laughs) you know, I wish I had some of those clothes. But I understand the giving up yeah, and the feeling like, you know, this is too hard because that's how I felt. It's like, it's just too hard. Nothing is sustainable. Even when I get to my goal, I go back up. So what's the point? Yeah, I relate to that
1: so much. And I mean, I was really kind of in a place of just sadness and resignation that things were as they were going to be. They weren't going to improve. I mean, it sounds awful because I mean, I am an optimistic, really positive person. Me too. Yeah. You know, and I did put on that face to the world. I mean, nobody really knew that deep down I was, I mean, I was obese. That was probably obvious, but I was sick and I had high blood pressure, you know, had lost all my energy I mean, the word that I keep coming back to is just, I just felt depleted. Yeah. And honestly, Jen, I mean, I was probably clinically depressed or at least getting that way. I had a lot of the signs, but, you know, I put on that face and I was just living my life. And one of the things that I did pretty often was I will go, and I still do, go and help out with an elderly relative who is battling an Alzheimer's, like, you know, some kind of a dementia kind of thing. Right. And, you know, I know that you and your listeners, you know, probably almost everybody has been around somebody who was like sharp and funny and clear, you know, before a disease like that would take over. And when you are around that, it goes, you know, beyond depressing. It kind of becomes terrifying. So one of those evenings when I had been keeping Greg's Aunt Rose last, uh, and she wouldn't mind me, you know, telling her name, she would like it. Whenever I had been staying with her last year, when I came home that night, I was in a near panic attack. I was just thinking, just reflecting on my own self and thinking, I mean, I had plenty of brain fog I dealt with every day. I could tell some stories on myself. And um, so, I mean, I really, the time that my husband couldn't find the power bill for like a month and he was starting to worry and he called the power company. Where's the power bill? It was in the freezer.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. So I had some brain fog going on. So I came home this particular day and I did what we always do in the year 2018 and 2019. I consulted Dr. Google with the search term, something like, how can you prevent Alzheimer's? And what I was expecting was that I would find that there'd be some kind of article about like, you should eat this superfood or Here's some mental gymnastics tricks that you can do to, to help. But that is when I saw for the first time the term intermittent fasting. Do you remember what it brought you to? Was it Mark Matson's research? You know, I have no idea now. I wish I had realized the significance of it then I kind of got myself in one of those, you know how you get like in a Google tornado? Yes, yes, I do. One thing leads to the next and you start clicking things kind of quickly and watch a little bit of a video. And I mean, I was just, I kind of started doing that on intermittent fasting. Once I saw that term, I did that all night long. And I know it probably was uh, Dr. Jason Fung That I ran across at some point during the night because I do recall being just astounded when I read that there were doctors who were not only treating type 2 diabetes with this strategy, but were actually reversing it. That blew my mind.
0: Were you ever diagnosed with diabetes?
1: I was not diagnosed with diabetes. My family is full of it. I would bet anything that I was well on my way toward it. I happen to be, being a self-employed person, our family's self-employed, we have really horrible health insurance. And so there are a lot of things that I had not consulted a doctor about. I pretty much was just getting treatment for high blood pressure, but I was not being real proactive about, there probably are a lot of things that I could have asked about. You know, I think I was probably pre-diabetic. I'm almost positive I was, definitely was insulin resistant. But, you know, that's so encouraging because my family's full of diabetes. My dad had it. My dad has it. Yeah. Uh, My grandparents. I mean, my family's just really full of it. So that kind of blew my mind. And then, you know, similar things like a lot of things that are like inflammation related longevity affecting things like I kept reading about all this good stuff. And I never did see anything detrimental or really scary about intermittent fasting. So it was like 3am. When I went to bed that night, I just had committed to myself that I was going to live that way for a minimum of six months and just kind of see what happened. I love it. I mean, and I'm telling you, it's more evidence of the brain fog that I had that it was the next morning, my husband is not a morning person, and he was sitting on the screen porch with me, drinking his coffee, and just listening to me babble. I've got the most wonderful, patient husband in the world. And I was babbling on about, I've you know, this wonderful strategy I found. I'm going to try it. And it was in the middle of that conversation that I just had that light bulb moment. I was like, wait a minute. If you are fasting intermittently, Would you not lose weight? So it's kind of crazy (laughs) that that is the first time it crossed my mind.
0: So you were uh, reading about intermittent fasting for all these health benefits. And at no time were you even thinking, hey, this is going to be for weight loss. I love It never crossed
1: my mind. And really, at that point in time, something just told me, don't shift this focus. You know, just try this as a health strategy. I had kind of just sold myself on it. And so I did really make the conscious decision that I was not going to focus on weight loss in any way whatsoever. I was just going to live that way.
0: I love it. I wish that 100% of the people that started intermittent fasting started it with that mindset. I mean, look, I did not. So I'm I'm being honest. I didn't. A lot of people don't. But wouldn't it be awesome if we all did? Well, it has been
1: life-changing and life-saving for me. And I honestly wonder if I had started because of my past record of, you know, like battling the scale and everything. I just wonder if I would have somehow sabotaged it and gotten frustrated and left it. But I have no idea how much I weigh. No idea. I don't think I could guess it within 25 pounds. I did not know how much I weighed when I started, although it's kind of cheating because I knew my weight was recorded at a doctor's office, so I had a path back to, and I have since, I'll spoiler alert, I do know how much I had lost in pounds as of just a few weeks ago, when I went for my June checkup. But I couldn't tell you, when I step on the scale at the doctors, I tell those nurses, I will haunt you if you say a number. I don't wanna know, just don't say the number, you know, but instead I did get them to calculate like what the weight loss was.
0: Well, do you want to share that? Is it Was it something that you were, you, were you happy with it?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, like I said, I was living my life just not thinking one thing about weight loss or the scale or any of that. But the spoiler alert is that when I went to the doctor in early December, so I had been doing the intermittent fasting lifestyle and Delay Don't Deny specifically. I've been Delay Don't Deny from day one. But at that point, I had lost 30 pounds. So in three months, I had lost 30 pounds. I was shocked. Wow. But then when I went back in June, uh, early June, just like June 1st this year, 2019. So at that point, I had been doing it for nine months. I had lost an additional 30 pounds. So as of a few weeks ago, i had lost a total of 60 pounds. And I had gone from a very uncomfortably stretchy... (laughs) unnatural women's 18 and I'm sitting here right now in size four blue jeans that my mom's uh, best friend wow actually her daughter Kelly sent me insisting that I would be able to wear them soon you know with the progress I was making and i just there's no way I mean honestly I've never worn a size four blue jeans in you know in my life and since I was probably second grade
0: <laughs> that's pretty incredible you know yeah. because- <laughs> it is. And I I wonder how much of your success has been because you just committed and you relaxed into the process and you didn't stress, you didn't, you didn't allow your brain to even be, you know, cluttered up with any of those feelings.
1: I mean, honestly, I attribute almost all of the success, you know, to that. And I think it's because once I started just kind of living my life, you know, and doing this, I'm going to describe before when I was in the bad mindset, when I woke up every morning, my brain was just this toxic soup of negativity. It was so suffocating and overwhelming, you know, and besides all the physical problems, I hurt all over. I was just eating up with the guilt. You know, I'd wake up first thought in the morning instead of, oh, what a beautiful day. I've got my wonderful family and I have this great life. I mean, my first thought would be, oh, I've got to do something. Oh, I'm so sick. I'm so big. I'm, I feel bad. I hurt. I mean, I was so focused on this, all this negative things. And then you start the battle in the kitchen. What am I going to have for breakfast? Because it's the most important meal of the day. (laughs)
0: Right, right.
1: And go through, there's something wrong with every single food choice you can think of. So you start on that battle. You can't have oatmeal. It has, you know, you just, you could go through
0: the entire list of foods. And also the whole struggle of, Is it time to eat yet? Should I eat again? Is it appropriate to have a snack now? What snack should I have? That was the way my mind was, too, Donna. And, you know, some people, this may not strike a chord with them, but the whole feeling all the time that you're in this big body. Yes. Moving through the world, thinking about, are people going to judge me because I'm in this big body? Or, you know, is he thinking about how big I am? That sounds nuts because most people are not thinking about us or (laughs) anything about our size, but that never left my mind.
1: Yeah. Oh, it never left my mind either. And I'm telling you from the day I started on this, the enormous relief that I got from that suffocating pressure, I woke up every morning. I hate to say this because I know there are people who struggle with a little bit longer adjustment period. This just fit me to a T. Really, it was basically one day and I was I was all in. <laughs> I ripped the Band-Aid off and went straight to one meal a day because it felt so good to do this. The fasting state started feeling so good. But the mental relief from that suffocating, awful guilt and pressure of thinking about this all the time... It was so freeing. I would wake up every morning with a sense of well-being that I can't describe and not have to think about any numbers again. Like, I don't count anything. I don't count weight. I don't count calories, macros, carbohydrates, you know, protein, sugar. I don't even count my minutes. Right. You know, to steal Kim Smith's phrase, it is unbelievable freedom.
0: It is. Kim Smith was on episode one of the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast, in case anybody wants to go back and and hasn't heard her yet. But yeah, she wrote a book called Unbelievable Freedom, because I think once we really embrace the intermittent fasting lifestyle as a lifestyle, and we know it's going to be the rest of our lives, there is that freedom. You know, I didn't feel the freedom in it. Until I made that mind shift, you know, because the first year or so of intermittent fasting for me, I still wasn't there yet in the lifestyle mindset. It was early. People, you didn't hear of people doing it as a lifestyle. It was like, you know, a way to lose weight. And I didn't have that freedom until I, I realized, oh, this is forever.
1: Well, I can honestly say, Jen, thank you, because thanks to you going through that in paving the way for me, that's why I think it gave me, you armed me with the tools I needed to do that from day one. Honestly, I piddled around no more than a week as experimenting doing the 5-2 plan, you know, when I first came across this, but it was the kind that had the 500 calorie down days, And so, you know, it was not fasting. It was definitely more just calorie restriction. So literally within a week of me ever hearing the term intermittent fasting, I was doing Delay Don't Deny. I had run across your book. I had binge listened to the um, intermittent fasting podcast all the way up to the date. Like I did that. That was like my full time (laughs) job. Everybody thought I was working on real estate, but I was really studying your podcast.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: I just seized on that. And your approach has fit me so much. I'm so glad. It is just, it's just been incredible. I think it was divine intervention that that is the thing that ran across so early on in my search.
0: Well, I'm really, really glad that it did. So it just, you know, you just embraced it and you were fast and clean from day one.
1: From day one. I mean, I did all of that from day one. So I got the mental freedom you know, from day one. And it was easy, easy from day one. It was, I mean, I struggled around with whether to actually use this phrase because some people are going to probably be like, why not me? But I'm going to say that it was virtually effortless in a whole year, almost a whole year. I have
0: literally not had a single bad day with fasting. Well, see, I love that. And I think it's important to hear your story today. Here's something ironic. Just this morning, I got an email from a listener who listens to the podcast, and she was a little discouraged because she said, how come every episode I listen to, suddenly it sounds like everybody had to do keto, and why is everybody having to do keto, and I don't want to do keto? (laughs) And I'm like, no, not everyone has to. Everyone is different. You know, I've had vegans on there. I've had people who, who don't change their diet. I've had people who eat all sorts of ways. And so, you know, hearing you tell your story that you did not have to change what you were eating, didn't want to, didn't need to, didn't even cross your mind to, and it's worked for you without doing that. And is it wrong when someone has to change what they're eating or needs to change what they're eating? No, it's just, you know, everyone's body is going to be different.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and the idea of eating intuitively, that's one of the books I read. That's always appealed to me. Me too. But before I got into that state of metabolic flexibility that, you know, through Delay Don't Deny, my eating intuitively, I ate like, honestly, this is it, Jen. I ate like a caterpillar. So I munched all day long on healthy foods. I was not that much of a junk food eater But if you just munch, 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 munch all day long, your hormones, you know, are just in disarray. You'll never, ever be able to get a hold of it and reverse it into something that is sustainable and that can work for you to get in that better health. So I just trusted the clean fast opened up so much for me. And I trusted the whole approach that you had described, that if I didn't focus so much on what I was eating and try to just take all this on at once, but instead just like let your body go through this process, you know, healing and all of that, that eventually I would start gravitating toward making better food choices, you know, without just having that layer of being restrictive, and that's what I did. I mean, at first, I mean, it's becoming kind of cliche in the group, but I did eat like a 13-year-old boy for just a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. You know, but then eventually I started noticing I was having strange cravings, but I was started listening to my body. If I had tried to eat intuitively before, there's no way I could have done it, but through this journey... You know, that thing of eating intuitively just opened up into something that works, the appetite correction and all of that.
0: I think the key is for us, like you and like me, back before intermittent fasting, we couldn't hear the signals. We couldn't hear the I'm full signal. So when I tried to do intuitive eating, because just like you, it always resonated with me and seemed like something that would work. It seemed like, yeah, of course, you just eat when you're hungry and stop when you've had enough. But that only works if your signals aren't broken. And my signals were broken. And so All those years of dieting had taught me to disconnect from those signals, so I I wasn't able to hear them. So when I asked myself, like you're supposed to, if you've read the books on intuitive eating, you're supposed to say, am I hungry? The answer was always yes. Yes, always. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. In fact, I am hungry because I never felt satisfied. And I would only stop eating if someone was watching me. I'm going to be honest here. You know, if someone was watching me, I would stop eating before I felt like I had, quote, eaten too much because it was embarrassing how much I could eat. Oh, yeah. And I never stopped eating because I felt like I'd had enough. I only stopped eating because I finished it or I didn't want to be seen as someone who was going to eat that much. And so intermittent fasting allowed me to reconnect with my hunger signals, my satiety signals. It turned them back on. And so now I can stop eating or I will eat a lot if someone's watching and I needed that much food it doesn't matter. But I now get it. I get the intuitive eating.
1: Right. Yeah, I absolutely get it too. And there was just something that told me to trust that and just to just to recognize it when it showed up and like the appetite correction. I remember the day that it happened. I kept thinking, you know, Jen said it would hit and one day I was digging into a beautiful delicious dinner and, you know, enjoying it. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like, huh, well, I'm just, (laughs) this is it. I mean, I'm kind of done. I'm really full, and I'm satiated, and closed out my window, and I was done. And and from then on, I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, I have a few trigger foods that occasionally will sort of throw that off. Like, I'm starting to come to the sad realization that sugar is one of those, even though I still eat some sugar. But you know, I'm kind of figuring it out that if I do, that does kind of trigger some, uh, it turns off appetite
0: correction. Right. Well, yeah.
1: You know, so there's a few little tweaks like that. But for the most part, that intuition is just, it's something now I've gotten to where I can count on.
0: It's it's really solid. And so you don't fret about, have I had enough or do I need to eat more? Because we hear that all the time. People are like, I'm so worried that I'm, you know, not eating enough or that I'm eating too much, or you just listen and you stop, or you eat a little more if you can tell you need to.
1: No, I'm done with all that worry. Yay. You know, and I think not being focused on the worry and micromanaging it and everything, I think that it kind of set my mindset. It opened it up so that I was so focused on the health benefits. I started noticing so many health benefits from day one that I'm not sure I would have even noticed so much if I was focused on, you know, I'm the type of person that, like when I did Weight Watchers, if I went in, you know, and I had had a fantastic week, I had eaten everything perfectly, I had gotten my movement and exercise in, and if I stepped on those scales, and it was even a tenth of an ounce off of what I expected, you know, the expectation I had that I should have lost or heaven forbid, you know, that I had gained, I would just go in the opposite direction and it throw me into just this failure and depression. But not being focused on that at all made me just wake up in the morning, the sun is shining, everything's beautiful. And I started noticing all of these, I know that you're, In your Facebook
0: groups, you call them NSVs, uh, non-scale victories. And yeah, I didn't make that up, by the way. I didn't make that terminology up. It's been around for a while. But yeah, that's what we call it, non-scale victories.
1: Well, those were the things that I was able to focus on every day. And they were off the charts, like just things that I never dreamed would happen. Tell us about some of those. Well, you know, the weird thing is that this is really sort of a weird experiment, the one that I noticed first, I've always been sort of a stocky bill. I'm five foot four. My legs aren't real long. I've always had kind of powerful, strong legs, even through a lot of the early years of my having gained a lot of weight and been obese. I had lost that feeling in my legs that they were just really strong. The last few times I tried to move something or even walking around or anything, I was really sad. I thought, well, I mean, I'm almost, at the time, almost 57, so, you know, I guess this is just what happens. Well, one of the very first things I noticed, and this was early enough in the process that you can't attribute it to weight loss. Like, you can't say, well, you lost enough weight so that you, you know, started getting definition. I just noticed that inside, my muscles in my legs started feeling like mine again. They felt stronger. And then I started noticing that my whole body just started feeling stronger. Well, eventually, I read those, you know, things that show the evidence that the human growth hormone increases during autophagy and all that. It happened probably just about three weeks or four weeks into my starting intermittent fasting is my body just felt incredibly strong. I would experiment and do like try to do squats and it was like, wow! I can actually feel like myself again, and that I love that kind of blew me away. Another thing is that my there's a genetic trait in my family among the women. Sorry, mom, this skipped her. <laughs> her family, her mom and sisters and everything in the, that part of the family, we had these skin tags all over our neck and upper chest and. I did not realize that was even a thing that that could be
0: related back to like insulin resistance. It's yeah, I think it's related to insulin resistance.
1: I had no idea. I just noticed they they started falling off. You know, That's I was fabulous. Like, what in the world? Where are all those little skin tags going? And I mean, they're basically gone now. Wow. So that started showing up. You know, pretty fast. A huge one that I suspected was going on, but I didn't know for sure until. I went back to the doctor for that checkup in December, was that my blood pressure, which had been really high, had corrected. That showed up early enough that you couldn't attribute it just to a traditional weight loss. I know if you lose weight, people typically, their blood pressure is improved. But this came to to me at a point in time that was earlier in the process than you would expect. And I was able to come off all my blood pressure Medicine, So now I don't take any prescriptions at all for anything. And I consider that a huge improvement. The brain fog was just unbelievable. I had lost the ability to recall words. And I I mean, I'm not going to claim that (laughs) that doesn't happen to me. It definitely still does. But it's improved enormously. So I had noticed I would get stuck on, especially... In the mornings and like in that early afternoon slump, which has also disappeared, there were a lot of times I would just be hammering my brain trying to think of the right word and it just wouldn't come. That seems to have gone back. And I mean, honestly, Jim, just I honestly feel better than I have felt in my adult life. I love that. That that's powerful. It's so powerful. It's it's incredible. The power of the magic fast is is what
0: I imagine you've told him that you're doing intermittent fasting, or did you not tell him? I probably need to get established with the doctor,
1: and this is probably something that some of your listeners may be able to relate to. Some people in the medical profession are more open-minded about this than others. He was glad, you know, and surprised. I don't think it's often, especially at the June checkup, I think it's probably rare for a 57-year-old to come in there and say, I feel better than I felt in my life, I'm thrilled that I don't have to take blood pressure medicine anymore. Now only have to come see you once a year. But, you know, I think that that mindset is he kind of dismissed it a little bit. He said he was glad for the results. But the words he used was, are you still doing that periodic fasting thing? Oh, yeah. So that was a little disappointing. But I have seen other healthcare professionals. Well, the nurses were doing cartwheels. I bet. One of the interesting things was before this doctor came in to talk to me, he had a medical school student who had come in and said, could I interview you? Um, This is for my school. And I'm just trying to learn a lot about patients and everything. He's young, very fit. And he asked me a gazillion questions about it. And he made notes and he said, when I start my own practice, this is going to be one of the cornerstones. Oh, I'm so glad. Yay. So that was encouraging. So I think that sometimes the doctors are probably a little bit, I'm not threatened, is probably too strong of a word, but you know, we're the patient and they're looking for them to treat us. And if we're tapping into something they're not that knowledgeable about, you know, it probably is,
0: I don't know, off putting a little bit to them. (laughs) I could see probably thinking about. Maybe the word is skeptical. You know, your doctor may be skeptical just because he's probably heard a lot of patients come in over the years with like, I'm doing the the latest, greatest thing. And he probably has seen that bomb out over time. He's probably thinking, yeah, this is just another one of those trends or fads. And he just hasn't taken the time to learn about it. But you are going to be the one that convinces him because, (laughs) you know, you mentioned how many women of your age come in and have lost 60 pounds in nine months and gone off their blood pressure medicine and are getting better, not worse. And when you come back for your next appointment and the next appointment and the next appointment, he's not going to be able to dismiss it as some kind of like, this is just a fad. I bet also because he's hearing about it from you, he'll probably hear it other places too. And he'll start to make that connection.
1: Yeah, and I'm so thrilled that this is such a powerful, revolutionary thing that's going on. I'm so thrilled when I do hear of other medical professionals who are coming on board with it, or at least being really open-minded about it. I had a dental issue a few months ago, and... When I was talking to my dentist about getting on an antibiotic, I was asking her, is there any way I can get one that you only take once a day? And she kind of looked at me and she said, why? And I said, (laughs) well, because I live a lifestyle called intermittent fasting. And she started laughing and she said, I do too. That is wonderful and perfect. So she was not able to give me a one a day antibiotic, but she was able to give me some ideas. It was a pretty short course. So the flexibility of the lifestyle though just allowed me to get through that and get right back into my preferred one meal a day without even a hiccup. But it was nice to have a healthcare professional that was really on board with that. <laughs> she said as she believed in it.
0: Yeah, I've interviewed. Dr. Cecily Ganhart on this podcast and she is an ABGYN who does intermittent fasting and also uses it with her patients. So, I think we're going to hear it more and more as people join the Facebook groups. One of the questions that they answer is, you know, why are you interested in intermittent fasting? And we hear a lot of times now that their doctor recommended it. Right. That's just wonderful when you hear
1: that. And I loved that episode. That was one of my favorites. All of them have been so inspiring. Oh, yeah, She was fabulous. They've all been so inspiring.
0: Well, that's what I love about doing this podcast and talking to everyone is that everyone has such a different journey along the way and everyone figures out what works best for them. And for you, it's just been trusting the process and living it. And embracing it.
1: You know, and honestly, Jen, it's been fun. I've been able to remove the negativity and the obstacle of my own brain. It would probably be hypocritical of me to just be like, oh, well, I didn't care about losing weight. Right. Of course, I cared at the beginning. I cared about losing weight. So at the very beginning, when I first decided to do this, I threw a goal out there to myself that was not weight related, but it it was in that same category. And I had said then, well, by my 57th birthday, which was in April, so this is around the 1st of September, and I had said, by my 57th birthday in April, that I want to be able to fit into my Donnie Osmond pants. And that was just, that was a fun goal because my Donny Osmond pants are special to me.
0: (laughs) That's funny. I'd forgotten that was you, but I remember this story from Facebook, but I forgot that that was you. So please tell your Donny Osmond pants story because I had forgotten it, but now I'm like, all right, I know this story. So tell it. I fell in love with Donny Osmond in 1971.
1: And I would pledged my eternal devotion to him. And he did go off and marry Debbie, but he should have married me. But anyway, (laughs) nothing ever changed. I'm loyal to a fault. So I have stayed a Donny Osmond fan my whole entire life. Well, about 20 years ago, I had the chance to meet him. And just because the planets were correctly aligned, It coincided with one of the only times in my adult life when I had done, and I think it was L.A. weight loss, it seems like, because I do remember I had spent a gazillion dollars on it, and that was expensive. So I was actually at the smallest size that I've probably, it's like 20 years ago, something like that. And so this opportunity to spend some time with Donnie Osmond just fell into my lap. Thank you to my friend Lori for setting that up. So I went to the mall, you know, walking around the mall and got all the people there excited about helping me find that perfect pair of pants. It was a morning meeting, so they couldn't be, I couldn't wear an evening gown, you know. (laughs) It had to be, but I wanted something with a little flair and something I felt good in. So I went to Casual Corner and I bought these black pants with a little sequins down the front and I felt great in them. And, I mean, I met him, had the best day of my life. It was just an absolute blast. You know, well, you know, life goes on. Donnie goes back to L.A. or Utah or wherever he was at the time. And the Donnie Osmond pants go back in the closet. Well, and, of course, I gained all the weight back, you know, and more. And those pants have been hanging there, you know, for over 20 years. And I've gotten rid of all the other things in my wardrobe that were small like that. I think they were a size 10. But the casual corner size 10 from 20 years ago was probably smaller than (laughs) than now. So it seemed to me back in September that getting into those pants was just an impossible goal. But I threw that out there because it's always fun to have something. And on my birthday, I put on my Donnie Osmond pants and they fit beautifully. They really probably fit better than they did before. And actually now they're probably too big. I think they're probably a lot too big, but what I think I will do with that garment is I will have it taken up because I've got to keep my Donnie Osmond pants. <laughs> so, you know, the occasion may come up again, you know. You know, if you
0: ever have the chance to meet Donnie Osmond again in those pants. I know. I've got to have my pants, have my lucky pants. That's I right. love that story because those are some special pants with a special memory and now they're too big. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is how
1: Sizes, I get so focused on sizes, so I knew immediately what size those pants were when we started talking about this, and I think that that whole thing about the fashion people when they started sizing things for vanity, they were really aiming at me because I will buy it it doesn 't matter I've refused to buy probably a properly fitting thing when I was at my heaviest. I just kept stuffing into that smaller size. And now if I see something that's in a really smaller size, something two sizes bigger could look better on me, but I'm going to buy the one that, that is the smaller size. It speaks to my, <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's something about my mind. <laughs> no, that's
0: why they do it. That's why the vanity sizing exists because I'm the same way. You know, if I go into a store and I, put on a pair of pants and they're a size six on me. I'm like, oh, uh, what, a six? No, I'm going to go to the loft where I put on a zero and it fits, you know. <laughs> and it's the same exact pants, whatever. But it's just something about that size. I get it. But they really have changed because I got married in 1991. And we had a very, very small intimate wedding, very small. And I didn't buy a traditional wedding dress. I just bought something off the rack at a department store And it was, you know, off the shoulder, cream, brocade, you know, T-length. And it was a size 10. And this was in 1991. And, you know, that dress swims on me now.
1: Oh, wow. That's so fun. It (laughs) is. This is
0: so much fun. It would probably be a four, well, a six, something like that now.
1: Jen, I'm, you know, older than you by a few years. but seven, you seven have, years. Uh, seven years. <laughs> well, happy early birthday. Thank you. At your local mall when you were growing up. Do you guys have those five, seven, nine stores? Oh,
0: yeah. What was that?
1: I remember it. I think that's the root of some of my really unhealthy connection with, you know, size and weight and all that. They had stores that the only sizes they carried... We're five, seven, and nine. And back then, I mean, it's probably more like zero, three, and five would be now. Probably. Yes, I think you're right. Tiny. You know, all my friends, all of my friends were size five. So we would load up and go to Century Plaza Mall and go to the five, seven, nine store. I mean, honestly, I really should have been buying an 11, but I would go in there. It's that peer pressure of feeling like, oh, gosh, I've got to get something. I just felt like this, just a gargoyle, you know, in there with my little teeny tiny friends. And I mean, I would buy something and I can apologize to my mom right now. We didn't have a lot of, you know, expendable income back then. We were a blue collar, you know, one income family. And I'm sure I wasted a lot of money on size nine garments that I really never fit never wore, yeah, that we couldn't afford, but I got obsessed with size then, and it's so funny how our minds work that we get on things like that, and you know that's one reason I had to stay away from weight because I get it locked set in my mind, there is a certain weight that you need to be. And it is poison to me to try to chase that because my body may not, that may not be the
0: right weight for me. And it may be measuring other things
1: besides what I think it's
0: measuring. That is why I threw my scale in the trash. I'm sure you heard me tell that story. But, you know, I had lost two clothing sizes at the loft in my favorite store and had gone from a size four jeans to a size zero jeans in that store. So I was certain I had lost a bunch of weight on the scale. And I got on the scale after I think, I don't know, 14 months of not being on the scale. I got on expecting to see a certain number. And even though I had gone from a four to a zero in those clothes, I was angry when I didn't see the number I thought I should see. And then I was angry at myself for being angry.
1: (laughs) You know, and when you're earlier in the process, that can be so demoralizing for somebody that hasn't already have the confidence that you had probably gotten to by then of saying, you know, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, cause I'm where I want to be, you know,
0: <laughs> I had been at my goal weight for over two years by that point. And by goal weight, I mean, goal size, goal body size. And so, you know, I weighed for the entire first year after getting to goal because, you know, I didn't trust that I would be able to stay there unless I kept a tight rein on it. I didn't trust that my body would be able to stay there. So after a year, I was like, all right, I can trust this. I can trust my clothes and the way I feel in them. And then over that next year, as I continued to get smaller in size, I just thought, well, I have to be losing weight on the scale. And then I wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> it messed with my mind. But it's so much more freeing now. I have not weighed myself since, when was it? It was 20. I'm trying to do them 2017, 2016, whatever that was. 2017, I think it was 2017. Yeah, it's been over two years that I haven't been on a scale. Yeah, but my
1: clothes all fit. That is just downright inspirational to me. You know, the freedom to not have to worry about that number and knowing that I won't stand on a scale again until June of 2020. And then I will probably give those nurses the same instruction of saying, Don't "Don't tell tell me the number, but just tell me if there's a change, you know, but I really don't care if there is. Because I feel absolutely fantastic and I, you know, I just don't care. I really literally don't care anymore what the weight is.
0: Yeah. I don't want to know a number either because I could see myself getting back into that spiral just as a reformed dieter if I... Started weighing and started seeing the number, and it was higher than I thought it would be. I might start having diety thoughts.
1: Yes, the diety thoughts are terrible. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I reject those diety thoughts and I don't want to have them. You know, that's the reason why you may hear on the intermittent fasting podcast sometimes my co host will try to get me to read a book, a certain diet book or another, and I refuse to because. I don't want to start having those diety thoughts again where I start thinking, should I eat this? Should I not eat that? And I'm like, no, I'm going to listen to the wisdom of my body. And it's thanks to that wisdom, just like you said, you're learning sugar may not be the best for you. Well, it's not the best for me. And I have realized that not because a book told me. Right. Or a doctor. It's because of the way I
1: feel. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, Jen, there's something else I need to thank you for. You know, you have Facebook groups, and there's a couple of places where you can connect with people who are in your geographical area. And I'm a part of the Alabama meetup group that Sherry, um, your friend Sherry, that was in, I think about episode nine or something of the
0: podcast. Yeah, Sherry Bullock. She was one of our. I can't remember eight or nine, somewhere around there. Yeah.
1: But. We meet occasionally. We started just studying delay, don't deny, digging deeper and everything. But that thing about avoiding the diet mentality, that's one of the things that we have all helped each other with. And we wouldn't have found each other if it had not been for your groups, But, you know, we constantly are pinging back and forth and helping each other with that whole idea. So if somebody starts to slide into something that's diety, the rest of the group will kind of pull us back. So I would definitely encourage everybody to find a group that's local that You know, people that you click with that are doing this and get it.
0: And that tool that you mentioned, that's Delay, Don't Deny, Digging Deeper, that's actually a workbook that listeners can go find on Amazon. You can download the ebook version of it, which is really, it's like $2.99 or something. Or you can buy the workbook version if you like having a workbook. And it just leads you through the chapters one by one. And you can work with a group or you can do it by yourself. If you don't have a support group, it just helps you to really contemplate some of the topics and delay, don't deny. But I actually have a digging deeper group here in Augusta and we meet every Saturday morning at 9am and we have coffee together. And, you know, we've got some people that work in healthcare and, you know, one of them is a nurse and she'll come in after her night shift and there she is. It's, you know, the end of, end of the day for her, but it's the morning for us. And, It's so nice to have that support group, even for me, right? You know, seeing these other women that I did not know prior to us starting to meet and just, you know, we talk things through and we become friends and I, I'm really grateful for that.
1: Yeah. Same here. I just love our group. It's just another non-skill victory is meeting the friends that are doing this together. It's
0: a journey. Well, one day I'm going to come and join your group. Oh, please do. I'm going to one day. I'm in the middle of, of a huge project that I can't talk about yet, but when that's all done.
1: Come on, tell, tell.
0: <laughs> I can't. I, I might, by the time your episode airs, I will almost be able to talk about it. So, It'll be fall before I'm really talking about it. But when I have some time, I do plan. I've talked to Sherry and I do plan to come to Alabama. I'll probably stay with her and Uh, we would love it. Have dinner with y'all. I look forward to that because it might sound nuts, but with the cruises that we've done and the community that we have built, you know, we may be on all seven continents now because we are, because we actually have somebody stationed in Antarctica. We're all over the world, but we really are connected. And when you meet in person, you realize we're all just in this together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the bond that we form, you know, in the the support system is actually carries over to real life, which is what's fabulous.
1: Yep. It's real. It's very real and very helpful and encouraging. And honestly, I do think we've talked each other off ledges a few times. That's just, I think it reinforces one of my favorite things about this, and that is that from day one, literally from day one of starting on Delay, Don't Deny, I have known in my bones that this is the most sustainable, this is it. I mean, this is the lifestyle that I am going to live in for the rest of my life. And so it's permanent. And it's so nice to you know keep that reinforced with using all those resources and having friends that get it. That is one of the biggest boosts to the whole thing. <laughs>
0: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, Positively FedEx. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, we are almost out of time. So I would like to end with you sharing, you know, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish that you knew when you got started?
1: You know, to someone just starting out, I mean, I do wish I could convince People, to think of that ugly square thing that sits on your bathroom floor that you stand on from time to time, don't let that steal your joy and your motivation or to define you as a person. You know, somehow I just kind of tripped up on a strategy to avoid that thing. And that is absolutely, you know, what I would tell someone starting out. I would also tell them, you know, to embrace the fast itself. One of the things that I had not anticipated is that it's like you're giving yourself a gift of healing every single day. And I look at it as the fasted state is you're nourishing your body with that fast, right? really just equally, or in some cases, even better than you are when you're eating foods that are good for you. It's a nourishing thing. So don't be so caught up in just watching the clock and worrying about eating Just embracing that fast. Being in the fasted state is a very peaceful, healing, you know, just a nice place to be. So I would encourage people to look at it that way. And if I have time for one more quick thought. You do, yes. Okay, this is what I think is the most important thing. This just came to me while we're talking. You know, as we were talking, this came to my mind. I would beg anybody that ever listens to this to just vow to yourself. Don't ever, ever be judgmental of anyone about their weight again, especially that person that you're always the harshest with, which is the person that you see in the mirror. I mean, and I'm guilty. Someone walks by and you think, "Ooh, you know, she's put on some LBS. I mean, you just, everybody has been guilty of it. But until I understood what happens when you become metabolically flexible and your hormones become in balance, I just really thought that more of this was, you know, if you just had the right amount of willpower, all the people that we've ever known in our lives that are obese or have battled with weight, probably 90% of them know it and want to do something about it more than anybody you can think of. So the kindest thing to do is don't judge them. Just be appreciative that there is a solution out there. There's intermittent fasting, you know, the clean fast, the magic of the clean fast, All of that may open up health benefits for you and for you to be able to achieve things that you just never even dreamed of. So just be kind
0: to other people and to yourself about weight. I love that advice. Yes. Because, you know, we judged ourselves the harshest of anyone, didn't we? Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And thought that if we were just strong enough or better or had more willpower, we would be able to do it. And it wasn't about that at all.
1: No, I don't think it was physically possible. You no, know.
0: it wasn't. This has been such a great conversation, and I'm sorry that it's come to a close. But I look forward to meeting you in person one day, and I know it'll happen. I'll be in Alabama, <laughs> Jen. Thank you so
1: much. I could never, in a million years, thank you for all you've done. Oh well,
0: thank you. I'm just paying it forward, you know, myself, and and that's what we're all doing. We are changing the world. You are. You are leading a revolution. Thank you. at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.